0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, I came to youth on Friday night. And lo and behold, as I'm sitting there, the young speaker, preacher, Ralph gets up, and he uses one of my passages of Scripture I want to share with you tonight. So, okay. And then we're having that great song about God is greater. God is I think, man, that fits. The next song about pursuing his presence, that fits. God, you are welding something together here. And so I want to take you on a little bit of a journey in Scripture tonight and just open something up to you uh, from the Bible, not my words, his words. From his words, speak into your heart, touch your life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, To every, every season there is, a, there is a, a purpose. To every event there is a time appointed. For every time to... Bring our lives in line with what God has to say. Sometimes we think we're living aimlessly. When we look at some of the things that happen around about us, the politicians, government, we wonder, do they really know what they are doing? I don't want to go down there and I don't want to politicise my time with you tonight, but I do want to say to you that they are only men and women. And they make mistakes. But we know a God who never makes a mistake. I'm not looking at a bunch of mistakes tonight. I'm looking at people who have been born of God, who know God's touch in their lives. We have purpose. And we need to just see this. Before we get to this, a little while ago, in fact, back in about 1966, to be honest, there was a group out called the Birds. And the birds sang a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. It came straight from scripture. We're going to hear a bit of that song. Another artist is doing it, but a bit of that song just right now. Thank you, A.V. Well, there you go, that was a blast from the past, wasn't it? Turn, turn, turn. Who remembers that song? Yeah, who liked it? Yeah, the tune kind of got inside of you. Do you know every person that has sung that song, every person that's read those words, every person that's thought about the thoughts of that song has had a had an opportunity where God, by his spirit, has been able to bring his word to their hearts. I don't care who was singing it. The fact is I understand and believe that the Word of God is much more powerful than a group or singers or some other situation. And all of those people, all of those people who have sung those words across the generation, all of those people have been confronted and have sung and even agreed with the words of that song as it's been sung, and, and it's touched their lives. And one day, I believe, the Spirit of God will remind them of that song, and they will they will have to deal with what do we do with that song. You know, it's, uh, it, just, it just resonates with our hearts because it has truth in it. It has God's truth in it. And so I want to explore that with you right now. Let's look at our first point together. It says uh, that we should we should consider this fact, that there's a time to be born and a time to die. Did anyone here decide when you were going to get born? No, not not one of you. In fact, you were not even considered when your parents decided that you were gonna be born. They had nothing to do with it. i sorry, you had nothing to do with it. They had everything to do with it, didn't they? (laughs) And the same goes when it comes to finish up this life, to hang up your boots, to pull down the blinds, call it what you will, to pass away, to die. You cannot, you cannot really determine that. You might adjust it a little. If you've been stupid in your lifestyle and you've wrecked your body, you may bring it on a bit earlier. Or if you've looked after your body and done work like me, then you may live a bit longer. But there's two things that are inevitable in this passage of Scripture. There's a time to be born and there is a time to die. And you and I really can do nothing about when we were born or when that time comes to hang up our boots. But God was there. Yeah, good. And God will be there when we hang up our boots. We were at a lady's place one time and she was fairly old and she was uh, lying in bed sort of waiting to pass away because that's what she was doing, that's, she'd been sent home to die. And we were standing around her bed, the family and myself as the pastor, we were there talking with her and, and she was uh, talking to us and then drifting into sleep and then talking to us again and drifting into sleep. And um, finally one of the family said, let's go out and have a cup of tea. And so we, uh, we, we stepped out one by one, stepped out into the, the dining room that was beside the, her bedroom. And uh, as the last of us went out and just said, we'll be back in a minute. I can't remember her name, but we'll be back in a minute. Uh, we won't be long. That last person, Bill, had just stepped out the door. This was his sister. And he just stepped out the door and he heard these words. Oh, Jesus, you've come. And he turned on his heel to look in to see what had happened. And she had risen up out of the bed and she had put up her arms like this. As in her view, in her situation, Jesus had arrived to receive her as one of his departing saints. That's the way I want to go. That's the way. I I read in the scripture where the old men of faith, you know, they, uh, they used to call the family in, bless them all down the line and then... And then depart. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. My grandmother came to church on Sunday morning, sat in the second or third row, went home at lunchtime. She was nearly 94. Went home at lunchtime, Climbed. she said to my mum, she said, I'm a bit tired. I think I'll get into bed. Climbed into bed with her clothes on, most unusual. She'd never done that before in her life. Slept through the afternoon. They woke her up for tea. She had tea. Next morning, mum found her a bit hard to wake up and she just took quite a while to get coherent and get with it and mum began to twig that something was going on so she called us around. We went around to see her Monday afternoon. Monday afternoon, we spoke with her. How are you doing, Gran? You doing okay? Whenever Gran looked at you, she did this. Now look, Paul. <laughs> she had an arthritic finger and I could always dodge it, you see. And she would, she would give you the eye and give you the finger like this and she'd let you know where you were going wrong. She said that we spoke with her and, and, and she just drifted back off to sleep again. Tuesday morning, mum couldn't raise her. She wouldn't wake up. Rang the, rang the hospital, the ambulance came, took her to the hospital. Wednesday morning at about four o'clock in the morning, she passed away. No pain, no suffering. She had just reached the end of her life her time had come there's appointed to us a time to be born and a time to die i was listening and drew was standing here a little while ago and he, he talked about the god of all creation you see when god made everything he didn't go to golden grove garden supplies And say, I need a big lot of earth, earth and rocks. I need to put a world together. It just there was there was a vacant lot. There was nothing. And God spoke the world and the universe into place. He said, This is what I want. I want a sun over there. I want some planets spaced out like this. I, I, I want it all in order. I want this one that way and this other one that way. Let's have some action. Let's have some moons. And he put it all in place. The same God that made all the universe around us has invited us to be his friends. He created us and now he comes to meet with us and join with us and make us again. He renews us by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He renews us to be able to be his friends and his family. But he gets rather sensitive about this issue Or shall I broadly call it sex? You see, probably for humanity, the closest we get to imitating God making something out of nothing is when a man and a woman can contribute a very small part and out of it comes something like me. Out of it comes something like you. In terms of creating something out of very little, that's the closest we can get. When you build a ship, you buy in the iron and the steel and you build it. You get the product and you put it together. God made something out of nothing. He spoke it into place. It's no wonder when we mirror God in his creative capacity, in us coming together in procreation, it's no wonder God gets jealous of that process. When two people come together, when a man and a woman come together, he says, I see see them together, I see the love. I'll be there to spark that conception with a spirit. Spirit. I'm going to give that little body life. I'm going to breathe my spirit into it and life will come. It's no wonder God values life and death. It's no wonder he thinks it's important. It's no wonder he considers it and values it highly. The next one is uh, it says, a time to plant and a time to uproot. Well, every farmer knows about planting, all home gardeners know something about planting. There's a time to put the seed in the ground and, 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 and watch, it, watch it grow. Don't dig the seed up. Wait till the seed has germinated and pokes its little first leaves up. Then you can see it's growing. If you keep running out and digging the seed up to see if it's growing, it's never going to happen. You see, again, a step of faith is taken when you plant a seed. When you plant the seed, that little seed actually gives up its life so that life can come. You know when they plant wheat, some grain, some, there's, there's a whole lot of different varieties of wheat, but, but one, one's the more uh, fruitful varieties of wheat, you plant one grain of wheat and it doesn't just throw up one stalk and have a head of wheat at the top. And at the top of that head of wheat, you might have 60 or 80 or 100 grains. So in other words, that one grain has gone up a hundredfold in its harvest, in its, in its reproduction. But really fruitful wheat will not throw up just one stalk. It may throw up 10 or up to 15 stalks. Each one of those will have a head on it which will have up to 100 grains of wheat on it. Now that's reproduction, that's multiplication and that's what God is interested in doing. That's why God can put his hand in our lives and he can make things that were seemingly impossible come to pass. Because he's not bound by the normal laws, he's not bound by our observed laws, he's not bound by our ways and our finiteness, he is God. He just says, I want this to happen. Make it happen. Bring it on. Bring it to pass. That's our God. So there is a time to plant and there's a time to uproot. When they plant the, plant the seeds, they then you know, wait for them to emerge and they spray for weeds. They let them grow up and want to spray again to get rid of the caterpillars. Come to harvest time, put their machines through, take the harvest. Once the harvest has gone through, put the sheep into it to have a feed and then they get out a bit later on when the first rains come and they till the ground over and they finally put in the last bits of stubble back into the ground again. So there's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot because you won't be able to plant next year's harvest if you haven't got rid of the remains of this one. And there's a time in our lives when we need to move on from where we are. When God has planted something and begun in something in us, he waits for the fruit to come to pass. And then he says, right, now it's time to move on. This I've discovered. I'll I'll show this in, this is an extra one. This one's not in my notes. When I first came to Christ... I found out as I grew with the Lord for a bit, I found out God was dealing with the weaknesses in my life, the bad habits, the difficulties, the the things in my life that he wasn't satisfied with. I found he put his finger on them and dealt with them. And thank God, he never said, look, you've got all these problems, Paul, we're going to deal with them tonight. He didn't do that. He said, let's deal with this one first. Because sometimes when we look at another person, we think, wow, they've got a big problem there. That's in our eyes. But when God deals with us, he knows what are the most serious problems from his perspective. And he doesn't always deal with them in the priority level or the priority list that we have. And so I noticed that he dealt with these things in my life. But you know, we've all got different characters and you know the characters of some of your leaders and... You haven't let, learnt, yet learnt mine, but you'll, you'll suss them out eventually. You'll see the strengths and the weaknesses, and we all have them. We're all working on them. It's, we're all a work in progress. But I found this, that there came a time in my life where I could say, I can do this. I know I'm strong enough to do that. I know that I have the strength to carry that off. In the early part of my life with God, I found that he dealt with my weaknesses. In the latter part of my life, he said, stop trying to use your own strength, Paul. Come to me. Let me, let me teach you a better way. Let me show you a better way. And so he began to speak to my strengths. And so if you're at some stage in your life and you, maybe you, you know you're pretty reasonable now, you've dealt with all the weaknesses, look out. He's coming because God is just jealous enough not to let your strengths come before him. Not for you to say, I can do this, God, move over. I can do it. You say, no, 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 no. I'm God of everything. Not just God of your weaknesses. I'm God of all. So this God who created everything, this God who's there at every birth, this God who's there... At every death, this God cares about us through our whole lives. And he wants to work with you and I. These thoughts are all captured inside this little verse. Hey, i got to watch that time. Let's look at the next little verse here. It says here, a time to kill and a time to heal. And when you you read those words, you think, man, those words seem a little bit... um, or disjointed, they don't quite fit because the time to kill was actually talking about things to do with justice, a judicial system and um, they didn't have so many levels of, uh, of tolerance in the early days. You did the wrong thing, off with your head. Off with whatever they needed to take off. They fixed you up. It's dealing with the judicial thing. And then the time to heal was when it was possible to bring restoration. You know, in the, in the old times of Israel, there were what they call cities of refuge. And if you accidentally were plowing or you accidentally... Uh, 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 you were building something and, the, and, the, and, the, and whatever you were building fell over and someone got injured or killed and so the family were after you, you could run to the city of refuge and if you could get inside it, you'd be safe. You'd be safe. Until the deal could be worked out, you'd be safe. And you stayed inside the city, you would be safe. God still wants to deal with us and is still dealing with us in a positive way today. He's not wanting to take our lives. He's removed the judicial pressure that's against us. Because you see, even in our bestness, that's a terrible word. (laughs) Even doing the very best we could. I want you to know the very best we could do was not good enough. Now don't get disappointed on me. Don't, Don't lose heart. Don't run out the doors yet. I'm glad that my best isn't good enough because I might have had to watch your best being good enough and my best wasn't good enough, and that's not fair. So what God did, and this is, this is absolutely delightful, what God did was he said, none of you are good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and the only good that's good enough is my son. So the only way to be what I want you to be is to be in Him. To find your place in Him by accepting Him as your Saviour, by seeing that He didn't die for Himself. He actually died for you and for me. He gave His life up so that an exchange could be made. So I could give Him my ruin. (laughs) Those wonderful ruins song. I could give Him my ruins and he would give me his best. He would build my life again. What a great picture there is here for us. Let's look down to another one. In verse 5, it says, A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. How many like... Light- no, one us throwing stones. No, we won't do that. Let's not the, the The importance of this scripture is this. When the enemy came into your territory, what they would do is gather up the stones that they could find and they would put them into your crops, into your fields. They'd throw them in there so if you had crops growing, they'd be crushed. Uh, If you were ploughing with an animal, you'd you'd then have to go and move the stones again. Or they would put the stones into the well so that you could not draw water out of your well. Nice bunch, aren't they? Nice bunch. Nice bunch. So there's a, there's, a, there's a time in men's lives, there's a time in our lives when, thro- when stones are thrown onto our fields or stones are put in our wells. What are we going to do with them? And the wisdom of Solomon here was, as he he spoke these words to his sons, he said, what are you going to do with those stones? What are you going to do now with this big pile of stones that someone else has gone to all the work to dig up for you? He said, build better fences, build better corrals for your animals, extend the house, Use the work that someone else has done, getting the stones out of the ground and dislodging them. Roll them up to your hacienda and extend your place. In other words, use the badness someone tried to put on you for something good. If someone gives you lemons, make lemonade. There's many things that happen in your life and in my life where well, it's like someone has thrown stones in our lives. But it's how we handle them. It's what we do with them that makes all the difference. I want to encourage you tonight. Take those things as a challenge. Take those things as a challenge. Be stronger. Be smarter. Be sharper in God. Say, God, I've got this stone. What can I do with it? He'll tell you what to do with it. He'll tell you how to use it. And the end result is you'll be a better person for it. If you want to sharpen a, knife, a knife, do you uh, bring out the uh, slab of margarine or the pound of butter? You, is that the way you sharpen a knife? No, no, it's not. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Someone's with me. You're not, a, not asleep. You sharpen a knife by getting out the little grinder. It's two little emery wheels going past each other. Or it may be one of those, those little ones you draw the knife through and the little, the little sharpening stones fall in on the blade. As you, pull it, as you pull the knife through the little grinding wheels, what happens? At the base of the, of the little machine you're using, the, this dust gathers and if you grab the knife after it comes out and feel it, it's hot. Because there's some temperature involved. There's, there's some work going on. There's some activity happening as you sharpen the knife. If you draw it through the, the, the little gateway that the, when, when the, the knife is being sharpened, there'll be some shavings underneath. If you're going to sharpen a knife, there's going to be some temperature There's going to be some work and there's going to be some residue left over. When God sharpens your life, get ready for the temperature and the work and the residue that's left over. You're going to have to discard something in order to take on the new thing. You're going to have to let something go in order to get a new sharp. You've got to let your blunt edge go in order to get your new sharp edge. Everyone wants a sharp edge. I don't want to be the dullest, drawer, dullest knife in the drawer. I, that's, not, that's not where I want to be. I want to have a good sharp. I want to be useful. In verse 9, it says this. Now, there are another, there are another 10 little things. You, you can, I've given you a bit of a pattern here. You might be able to sort some of those out for yourself. But let's come down to verse 9. It says, what profit is there to the worker from that which he toils? In other words, people get out there and they work really hard and you basically work really hard for money so you can accumulate things and the things are supposed to uh, add value to your life. They're supposed to give you a, a, an ultimate value in who you are and what you are and what you're achieving. They're supposed to say something about the, about the life you're living. But if you die, if you die, can you take those things with you? I've never seen anyone take anything with them yet. I was doing an Italian funeral one day and a dear beloved patriarch of the family passed away and I saw one of the sisters try and jump in to the grave with him because such was her feeling. But he couldn't take her with him and she couldn't get there. So all this work, all this work for things, all this work for uh, stuff that I can uh, draw to myself and attach to myself, it's for nothing. It's for no profit, the Bible says. But what is a value then? What is of value is the relationship you leave behind with your wife or your husband? What is of value is the relationship you leave with your kids? What is of value is the relationship you leave with your grandchildren? And I speak to grandparents tonight. Man alive, they will listen to you and me more than they listen to their own parents. So just make sure you're telling them some good things because they'll take it in you'll get away with feeding them a lolly even mum and dad say don't give them any lollies you can get away with it but as you give them a lolly give them some truth to go with it you want to use your position use your role use the God given gift that you have as a grandparent because you're grand did you know that? Grandparents, you are grand. Capital G, capital uh, You know, the best hotel in town is called The Grand. <laughs> you are grandparents, you are grand. Now let me go to the other end of the scale. There are grandchildren. And the grandchildren are the best kids ever. the best kids ever. In the middle there's a bunch we're not sure what to do about, but anyway... So this life is not about what I can pull to myself and what I can gain, even though it's good for us to be gainfully employed and do useful things and it's good for us to prosper in this life and live. But not lose sight of the big picture. The big picture is my relationships with those around about me. The big picture is my standing with God. The big picture is, am I ready to meet my maker? That's the big picture. In fact, the Bible says that we are given 70 years, 80 if through strength, to live this life, and it's during that time period we have the opportunity to find God, or should I say, allow God to find us. You see, I found, I found Jesus as my Saviour when I was seven and a half years of age. I wasn't even been old enough to be naughty yet. If you believe that, you're in trouble. I did know what naughty was, but I hadn't been very naughty, if you know what I mean. I, 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 I sincerely, I thank God that I have been a Christian all my life. Because I haven't had to go through some of the things that some of you dear ones who have got saved later in life have had to wrestle with in your own strength. And then now come to a point where you say, how do I deal with this? Where do I go with it? How do I get through on it? Don't waste time. Here, Our time here on earth is simply for us to find God or allow God to find us. And finally it says in verse 10, it says, I have the task, I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. God has set eternity In the heart of man. There's not one person here tonight, there's not one person here tonight who does not have the stamp of God on their life. When you were born, God breathed his spirit into you, that's what gave you life. Mum and dad provided the physical attributes. Mum and dad provide the skills, the mixture of skills and and temperament. Mum and dad do all that, but it's God who gives life. It's God who breathes life into you. It's God who makes the connections connect. It's God who uh, sets you up as a genuine, regular, bona fide human being. It's God. You're not a clone you're not a clone. You're not a mistake. If God has given individual spirits to every person, you're not a mistake. God has personally got involved in your life. And this little passage, this little scripture that we've read through, part of it, that song that it's saying, it says, turn, turn, turn. There is in all of this, there is the opportunity for us to turn from what we think is right and discover what God thinks is right. There's a time for us to be born, a time for us. He had the say in that. We need to understand that, that he's bigger than everything that is around us. He's made everything. We need to understand that. We have to turn away from our old thinking and think God's thoughts and understand what He says about us. We have to take on His understanding. We have to believe what He said about us. And so you could go right through those other passages that I've spoken to. So God Himself has given us a reason to live and it's to plan and prepare, to discipline, to set goals, to set ourselves ready for His uh, His hand upon us for our future. Because I want to tell you this, that the life that comes after this lasts forever. This life, by comparison, has a short duration. Here's what I've discovered. When I eat chocolate, and I like chocolate, The flavour lasts for a few moments. And then there's the remorse about once over the lips forever on the hips. (laughs) And then in two days' time there might be a little pimple saying somewhere you ate too much too rich, too quick, too much, too often, a reminder. But because we are feely and touchy, we think this world is here forever. But my Bible says, and your Bible says, that this world is passing. I love the phrase of Scripture where it says, and it came to pass. You see, the things that come have arrived so they can pass. It came to pass. It couldn't have passed if it hadn't come, so it's come to pass. And God has come to our lives and our lives are coming to pass. But we are preparing for a life everlasting. And the only way we'll be truly prepared for that is if we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts. If we say, Jesus, I've I've lived my life my own way. I've tried to do my own thing. I thought I was there at my birth. I've tried to make preparations for my death. I I thought I had all these things under control. I thought I could do the sowing and reaping thing. I thought I could plan what those things were around about my life. This life is about discovering that I can't do life without Him. I can't really do life. I'll be missing great chunks out of life doing it by myself. Most importantly, most importantly, if I'm not prepared for life hereafter, by doing what God asks me to do. And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him with all your heart. Ask for the forgiveness of your waywardness. Ask for the forgiveness of your sin. Ask for the forgiveness of your rebelliousness. That doesn't mean you've been a criminal, a car robber, or a bank robber, or a murderer. It simply means that you've gone after your way instead of considering and doing His way. It's a matter of doing it God's way. And tonight, if Jesus were standing here so that you could see Him, He'd be saying... Come to me. Come to me. I want to help you. I've got the answer for you. Won't you come to me? I'm not going to bully you. I'm not going to browbeat you. That's not my way. But I will show you the greatest love story that you have ever seen. And you will be a part of it. Come to me. Receive the gift of my love to you. Even when you weren't looking for it, my love is towards you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.